Hey y'all, quick little recap. Last week I talked a lot about raccoons, but Gagatrandra is I did not even include this wild ass story of this raccoon that was caught using the subway. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, choke, spit it out, feel that water running out your mouth because that's the tea. Friday morning, December 8th, 2017. And this is also the part that slapped me right across the face because I'm like, what? How did this happen in 2017 and literally not make my ears tingle, ringle, buzz? How did I not hear about this until just this week? Anyway, that being said, this is the tea. On Friday morning, the 8th of December, 2017, the TTC subway service had to be briefly stopped shut down um, because of a little raccoon that made its way onto a station platform and then walked onto a subway car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So T is Brad Ross, who is like the spokesperson for the TTC, said that the incident happened around 9.30 in the morning, and he said that the operator of a train traveling southbound into Bloor Station saw a raccoon walking along the side of the subway tracks. Ross said the operator notified transit control and was told to move the train slowly into the station. But by the time Homegirl rolled up into Bloor Station, the raccoon had already found its way up onto the platform, onto the catwalk, as we say, cat 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 and then when the doors opened just made its way onto the cart i love that i absolutely love that right and there has to be some level right of connectivity between and not necessarily connectivity but this is actually one of the examples of um sort of cognitive abilities that is very elusive to test in the the, the field but this ability to like sort of mimic behavior track eyesight right and to make decisions based off of what you're observing around you and so yeah gag is this raccoon probably was like okay all these little humanos are entering into this thing seem safe they're coming out let me try it let me try it and i just love that raccoons are so incredibly exploratory that being said this is not the episode of raccoons but i just had to like give y'all that little ooh, ah, ah, sensational moment because that took me out and i am realizing it's like two minutes into the episode you have no idea what is going on hi <laughs> you are listening to episode six of season two of zabuma foolish with me your host jay pronouns they them Let's get into the nitty-gritty of this week's episode, the true episode. Uh, enough about raccoons. twist a bit of a turn because this episode is gonna i mean i'm we're gonna you know we're gonna give a, a little homage a little nod to the um standard format of these episodes which is you know classic setup animal of the week aotw and then we move jumping into six to six before we wrap up with what's the sitch um, so trying to kind of keep that same energy segment kind of style, but we're going to, I'm going to actually switch it up a little bit today because I need to, I just need to like hold space for myself <laughs> and vent and talk about a couple things with y'all today because like, 
Oh my goodness, the more visibility that comes with uh, building an online presence, I just, ooh, I need to take some space right now and just like give y'all the tea, give you a little bit, a little peek -a okay, pick a boo, poke into, which by the way, poke was supposed to be a kangaroo, isn't that funny? Anyway, um, a little bit of a window into uh, sort of what I'm experiencing right now because I just, I, it's, I need to, I need to talk about it. But I'm going to start with, we're going to ease, we're going to ease in. I'm not going to just go like full throttle, pedal to the metal. So I'm going to start with actually something that's going to be a little bit calming for me. And I'm actually going to read one of the uh, emails that was sent in to me by one of y'all, the listeners. So this was sent in um, by someone who I actually went to high school with. And funnily enough, when we were um, in high school, I mean, this is the thing about youth, right? You're so emotional and immature and like trying to learn about things and you're trying to figure things out. So it's just a very messy space. That being said, we didn't have, I don't think we had the best kind of relationship while we were in high school. I think it was, it was rather competitive, if you ask me. Um, but it actually ended up, if you, if you ask me, I do think it ended up being beneficial to a degree because we did really push each other to um, excel in, in academically, I should say. Um, we were often in the same classes and we were often um, not in direct competition for getting the best grade, but it was kind of that like sort of unspoken, um, yeah, that unspoken kind of rivalry. And I don't know, I mean, I look back on it now and it just seems oh so silly to even be in rivalry with someone that, one of your peers that you're attending high school with. Um, but that being said, it did really push me to like excel and get good grades. Okay, wow, I'm really giving this person an intro and I don't even know if they are comfortable with me saying their name on, on the podcast. So I actually will go ahead and avoid that. But just know that um, this person is someone who uh, used to be in my life when I was a teen. Um, so ages 14 to 16, or 17, I should say. Anyway, they emailed me, um, and the email goes as such. Really loved episode 11. Oh, okay, come through. So this, I mean, to be fair, they sent this a little while ago, and I, I'm kind of just getting to this now um, and reading it out. I did see this, um, but I, yeah, holding space for it on the podcast, I, I need to be better about reading um, some of the letters that y'all send me because, honestly, I, I, I truly appreciate them. Like, y'all don't know how wide they make me smile, like, just truly ear to ear. We're talking, like, that Grinch smile, you know, where it's like your whole mouth is, your whole face is just mouth like very venom from Spider-Man. Okay, anyway. Um, so the letter reads, Hey Jay, hope you've been well. Just wanted to share some thoughts I had while listening to episode 11, which I really loved, especially the what's the sitch section. First, in a random coincidence, when you intro about looking up angel numbers for 11, I checked my phone and it was 1111. Not sure what that means to have it all at once for me, finding my life purpose, but I hope all good things. Honest, okay, I need to take a quick pause here. Y'all, I'm still trying to figure out too, honestly, these messages that we're getting, these kind of signals that we get from you know the 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 metaphysical space that we all share and yeah i think that numerology is something that's really interesting and also very much like tarot very much like astrology a really cool and powerful tool i think to um start conversations with yourself and to start moments of reflection um 
and yeah introspection so really love numerology and um to the writer of this email really love that that was this little kind of coincidental thing that happened for you also fun thing about coincidence i don't believe in it because there's this line in sherlock and they say the universe is rarely so lazy and i am like you know what that is that is tea that's the that's the fucking energy that i need because yeah you know what coincidence is just a way uh, a term that i think we throw around when we don't understand all the intricacies and connections that have resulted in in something manifesting, be it an event or be it an interaction with an individual or be it, you know, um, a memory coming to light, what have it, what have it be, right? There is, I think coincidence is is a, a scapegoaty kind of term. Okay, back back to the letter. Wow, I'm really y'all see the ADHD jumps out, jumps out. Anyway, um, the letter continues. So when you were talking about animal escapes, it automatically got me thinking of the capybaras that went missing from High Park Zoo a few years ago. It was like the biggest thing for a week, and then I know they eventually found them in the park like weeks later. Or the Burmese python problem in the Everglades? The situation is thought to be caused by a mass escape after a hurricane and has now caused some major issues for the ecology ecology of the Everglades as an invasive species. Yeah, Burmese pythons um, invading the Everglades that one is wild. Maybe I'll talk about that um, in a future episode. Uh, or actually, maybe in a future watch the sitch section. That would be... I'm going to make a note of that. That actually sounds pretty cool. Uh, and it continues. The letter continues on by saying, It also got me thinking about released animals and their impact if they thrive in the environment. Released species that become invasive are entirely human cause, but most of the negative impacts are to the animals who have to be destroyed, or the rest of the ecosystem which has to adapt quickly or be decimated by the changes. I know there are a ton of examples of accidental releases, like zebra mussels, but a pet-related Canadian example is the bunny problem in Canmore, B.C. Okay, this is so... I'm I'm so... This is... I knew this was going to be a really good way to start the podcast because I'm already feeling much better, much lighter. Like, the when y'all send me the ways in which you're critically thinking about and engaging with wildlife stories, wildlife content, just news about animals that we share space with, that just... It makes me so happy and it makes me not... It just makes me feel connected and in community and not like I'm alone, just the delusional out here on my podium be like, and I love animals and you should too. It honestly, these messages really, they really uplift me. So I'm I'm so just incredibly thankful for this. Um, and yeah, honestly, you bring up a lot of really great points here. The fact that the majority of species that that are invasive right are they 100 percent are human cause um a lot of introduction events are accidental be it true but a lot of them are also intentional right we look at stories like australia where they try to use invasive species as a means to actually manage pests and then that turned out to be a problem and there's a whole cane toad story but we can talk about that in a later episode maybe um about invasive species but just really really love that and the kenmore problem um the bunny problem is a big thing but kind of taking it back to where i'm here in in vancouver there's also a huge bunny problem here because people literally just be buying bunnies and then they're like, okay, bye, and just release them out into public parks, mainly Jericho Beach Park. And as of right now, there's like this huge population of like semi pseudo domesticated urban bunnies that just like live around the beach because they reproduce so quickly and people just release them there. And I'm like, how incredibly irresponsible of people and of humans. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, uh, the letter continues on by saying, I always love that your episodes get me thinking and wanting to explore other examples in more depth to learn more about the conflict research or animals that you highlight. It's a weekly push to keep learning, and I appreciate all that you do to get people to stay curious. Have a great weekend. Signed, Anonymous. Um, I, big, uh, thank you. Just thank you for this. And you know what? They, they've they shared some um, sources here. Um, a link about the the uh, Canmore bunny problem. And actually, if you didn't hear about the, the Capybara story, that one is actually, that one was nuts. So that happened back in 2016, mind you. Um, and that was about a story of a pair of Capybaras, so one male, one female, that escaped from the High Park Zoo. And they were literally on the run for more than a month and a half. It was it was a wild story. Like people were seeing them swimming in like little areas of the park. People were like having them run around. They had to go out, put all these traps out for them. Um, absolutely wild, absolutely wild. And I think it was just it's so funny because the the how this that situation happened, how the capybaras happened, was because they were trying to introduce these two new capybaras into this enclosure with this one other capybara who was already living there. Um, and the hope was that they would, like, reproduce, get along, be cute little kiki moment. But when the uh, zookeepers were bringing in the new, the, the, this new pair, they, for whatever reason, all, that, all the information you can find online, literally every article, the only thing that is stated is, and zookeepers made a mistake. And the two escaped... Or were they wrestled themselves free and ran away? And I'm like, y'all, y'all need to clock animals and their intellect and just their willingness, their sheer drive to exist on this planet, unencumbered and unhindered by our bullshit. I just love that these two capybaras were like, we said, no, ma'am. We are supposed to be in Brazil, and you brought our bitch asses up here to Canada. We don't know this fucking terrain. Fuck you. We gonna dip set this place. And I absolutely love, I love that story. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna share the capybara story. I'm gonna share the Canmore Bunny story um, over with the extra content for this week's episode over on the Patreon. But let's um, move kind of now into what I want to do for this week 626. So for this week 626, I'm going to, again, in the spirit of trying to find some sanity, trying to take up space, trying to hold space for myself, I'm going to be talking to y'all about my project that I finally just finalized, um, and it's the first in a series of projects over the next three years that I'll be conducting here in the city of Vancouver, but I'm really excited because this is going to be my first fully independent project where I am completely in charge of every aspect from experimental design to public communication to data analysis to like I'm just I'm so excited to have complete freedom and to not have to really answer to people if that makes sense I'm just yeah I do have to like sort of communicate with my supervisor about like what I'm doing where I'm going but it's not like the the Vancouver cat count project where I was sort of answering to um a a employment body, which is the person who, um, I guess the or the nonprofit that gave me um, the NGO that gave me my contract. So yeah, super excited for that. And this this project is going to be focusing specifically on Vancouver parks. So for a little bit of context, right? Um, I 
Um, this proposal is just kind of like a bite-sized version um, that allows me that will allow me to one test out the methodologies on a smaller scale um, before applying it to the wider Metro Vancouver, which will include other municipalities than just the city of Vancouver, um, but it will include Burnaby, it will include Richmond, it will include North Van. Um, but before I'm able to do that uh, in the next coming years, I have to kind of do this like smaller scale test of my method. That being said, what is it that I'm curious about? What is it that I want to test, right? Um, what are the sort of questions that I'm answering this summer? So the first is, I'm going to, I'm, I'm curious, right? What predator species are using our urban parks and green spaces, right? So specifically, what are coyotes, our skunks, and our raccoons, are they even using our public parks and our green spaces, right? Two, I want to really look at when are these predators using these green spaces. So looking at the times of day that activity is the highest in these spaces, right? I'm also curious about what types of interactions are occurring at these park sites. And I'm when I say interactions, I mean specifically, right, what is happening both within communities of animals, so between raccoons, between skunks, between coyotes, right? I should that was actually very confusing and it wasn't very clear. So when I say between skunks, I mean between individual skunks, right? They're the same species and they maybe have competition, maybe they're reproducing, maybe they're doing some sort of um, collaborative foraging, right? That I want to, I'm curious what's happening there. But I'm also curious about those sort of um, interspecific interactions as well, like what's happening from raccoons to skunks? What's happening in terms of coyotes and skunks and coyotes and raccoons? Are are they interacting? And if so, at what frequencies? And what type of interactions are going on? Is it confrontational? Is it occupying the, share, 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 blah, 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 the same space? Are they doing maybe some form of um, collaboration so that they can access resources um, together? could be. Don't know. We don't have these answers. I'm ex incredibly curious. Um, another question I'm hoping to do uh, or hoping to answer is how do human attitudes influence, right, the actual use of these parks and green spaces by these predator species? So around the parks, around these green spaces are these residential areas. So I'm curious to know how the attitudes and the perceptions of wildlife by these people that surround the park, right, how that might be influencing the animals that use it and the activity of these animals in the space. I'm also curious to know what habitat features are even present in these parks and green spaces, right? We all assume that these parks are naturally going to provide, you know, habitat, foraging opportunity, potential den sites, access to water, but that's never been quantified in our urban spaces. And so I'm curious to know, well, sis, what's the T? What's actually there? Let's put pen to paper and start to actually tick off these boxes. Let's find out and quantify what's happening at these parks. And... That may seem like a wild, wide suite of questions that I've tried to answer. And the Gagatrandra is I have a very specific plan in order to be able to answer this. So my research strategy, right, is I'm going to be at... So Vancouver has 230 official parks that they manage. And I plan on putting wildlife cameras in 110 of those parks. I'm going to monitor 110 locations, right, for a total of three months or 12 weeks. And that will allow me to not only, right, 
estimate the size and occupancy rate of Vancouver's predator populations that are using these parks, but it'll also allow me to identify what size of parks are most utilized by Vancouver's music predators. And this is because I plan on putting out my cameras in three different categories of parks. So I plan on putting um, 10 cameras in Vancouver's largest parks area. So those are parks like the Queen Elizabeth Park, like Stanley Park, right? Um, a couple of the golf courses when it comes to sort of larger green spaces. Um, John Deere Park. So when it, those, I'm going to put 10 cameras in the largest parks. I'm going to be putting 70 cameras in the mid-sized parks. So these are the sort of green spaces that um, are not you know, really large, but they aren't small either. They're that perfect mid-size, right? You know, Goldilocks, hello. And then I'm going to be putting an additional 30 cameras in the smallest uh, parks and green spaces. So those little parkettes, those kind of like little, you know, corner pockets of green space that you see. And my hope is, right, in, in categorizing these different sort of sizes of parks that I'll be able to distinguish, well, what... What, what parks are animals using, right? What size of parks are most used? And why, why might that be the case, right? Looking at the actual elements within the parks, the habitat features within the parks that are different across these different sort of size classes, if that makes sense to y'all. That being said, I was budgeting for this project, okay? And um, we came up with a under okay a little like a literal soft estimation of $28,000 so I just um, pitched this to my supervisor and I'm hoping that um, she has enough money in her startup budget to allow for this but yeah why is it so expensive well because 110 trail cameras at $230 per per trail camera kit that's looking at $23,500 just right there. I then I'm going to need 220 SD cards I'm going to need two external hard drives I'm going to need to get some data processing software um, and I'm also going to need a transportation budget in order to like go around and check on the cameras and switch out the SD cards and so I'm like okay, yeah we, we looking just shy of 30k just for this this summer of work and my hope is that I'll be able to actually replicate this for the coldest winter months as well so this project will be starting actually in, uh, hopefully in two weeks um, so that'll be June 1st so Tuesday it'll run through until the 1st of September and then I'll be able to replicate it again in winter starting December going through to January and then to February as well and my hope is that I'll be able to compare right between species between activity use and between seasons, right, when it comes to what animals are using our urban parks and our urban green spaces and how they're using it and how that differs, right, as we switch from summer to winter. Okay, um, enough about enough about my research, enough about my project. Super excited about this. Um, really curious to see what I am able to discover. And if you want to, you know, find out more about this research, uh, if you want to actually get involved, maybe if you live in Vancouver, you want to like help, I'm we have a little budget going to be hiring some volunteers. So let me know. And uh, yeah, let's move into this next section, which is the one I really need today, which is what's the sitch. So what's the sitch? This next section does mention rape and sexual assault, um, so just listen with care. So, for this week's What's the Sitch, 
I have to just, I have to talk about this incredibly violent email and online interaction that I had. And I, I need to just maybe take some time, reintroduce myself to y'all because what y'all are not going to do, what I am not going to hold space for, is people moving so incredibly mad online. Specifically, when you go out of your way to send me a novel of an email when you never... Oh, oh I'm getting so off. To, okay, okay, let's, let's give you the context. So on, like, three days ago, so what is it? On May, like, 11th, 10th, I posted something to Instagram that was... Uh, and the caption read... It was just a photo of myself, and the caption read, I love coming on socials to share wildlife facts, talk about the environment and veganism, and provoke you to think. But I know it's easy to get overwhelmed. If you're overwhelmed and unable to engage with all the content, then it's time you unfollow some people, myself included. That being said, you will never get the full story from someone's IG post. So no matter how much you learn here, you always should supplement that with your own research. That was the caption, okay? Now, some wayward... Well, that, well, the caption actually goes to continue. I put a little, like, wildlife fact in at the end. I was like, if you read captions, great, good for you. Here's a little thing about giraffe tongues. They're darker at the tip because it's a natural sunscreen hat. Cute. Um, right. So I put all that. Okay? And someone, right, this cishet white man that I went to school with, that I did my undergrad with, right, his name is, you know, mm, do I want to call out his name? You know, I'll see how I'll see how this section goes. As of right now, no. Let's remain anonymous. But honestly, that's showing you more respect than you've ever shown me. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, he comments, okay, dot, dot, dot. Now, why I think that that was so fucking sus and uncalled for was because he jumped into my DMs the day before being like, Hey, Jalen, did you know that there's this amazing podcast about this? And I was like, oh, that's funny that you have the energy and the time to be listening to this podcast and going out of your way to tell me about this one when I have two podcasts that you have never once engaged with, mentioned, talked about with me ever. So for me, I made a cute little quick little comment. I was like, oh, haha, cute. Thanks for sharing. Or I don't know, I don't think I even said thanks for sharing. I was like, oh, funny. Did you know I also make this type of content? Right. And so, and why I, ma why I made a point of, of taking that time to be like, oh, I make this type of content because so many people online, right, will be like, oh, you have to do this. Oh, you have to do that. Oh, why are you speaking about this issue? Oh, why are you speaking about that issue? And they engage with maybe, what, 10% of what you put out? And so for me, I'm like, I understand that you cannot always get your goodies from an Instagram infographic. I understand you are not always going to get your goodies from a story post. That's why I'm out here writing articles on Patreon. That's why I'm out here creating episodes of podcasts. That's why I'm out here diversifying the type of content that I am giving. Because what? I understand. I understand that you can't be out here consuming everything that everyone produces but for you to go out of your way to tell me that podcast is, is a type of content that you do have time and space to consume but you haven't even ever thought about supporting mine or heard about like that is just it just it felt really weird it felt very 
it felt very strange, especially from someone who then would claim, would then go on to claim that we were friends, right? I would be like, how? How could you, how could you say that if you don't actually support the work that I'm doing, right? And then again, not to say that you have to be out here do, supporting every single thing I do, every single piece of content I make, but this person literally does not comment, does not reshare, does not repost, does not engage with my content in any meaningful way. And so for you to then jump up into my DMs, that was just, I was like, okay, bizarre. So they, and from, from this post, right, they then put this okay dot 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 as a sort of a way to allude that they that this was about some way about them, right? That this was like some way about them. Now, to be fair, I will say that timing wise, yeah, it could I could understand why he thought that. But Giga Chandra is I prep my post like days in advance. Like I did the shoot and the captioning for those shots like a week before with my friend Hannah, who was leaving for Saskatchewan. And I was like, oh my gosh, you were like the only person I take photos with, so let's go and get these done. And I planned out that whole thing well before this man, wayward man even jumped into my DMs, right? So for them for him to then come up and think that this was about him, I'm just like, that's a gag. So the funny thing is, my first comment, my first reply to this wayward individual was, bah, OMG, lol, I actually forgot about our conversation. But I guess if the shoe fits, laughing emoji, heart emoji. Clearly, clearly payful, right? Clearly meant to be a cute haha kiki, right? But also maybe a little bit, a slight little bit of a Mm-hmm. Well, maybe consider the the words of the caption. If they do seem like they apply to you, then maybe they apply to you, right? But again, I don't. Cr- I have put in work to reach and connect with an audience of now su- surpassing what just over five k. So to for you as a white man to come up into my space online and to think that I'm creating and posting content about you. Specifically, how de- how incredibly delusional and self-centered do you have to be? And that's actually just a symptom of white supremacy and of the patriarchy at large and how those two intersect incredibly sinisterly is that white men walk around with the delusion that everything is about them. Oh, oh. okay, anyway, so this person then goes on to comment. Sorry for not taking 15 to 60 minutes every day to engage with all of your online content frowny face and I reply saying no need to apologize just unfollow if you have better ways to spend your time heart emoji I'll still be here literally like when I include the heart emoji it's a very visible sign for me I'm like I'm indicating the tone of this comment because I know how fast people will mistake your tone and your words online so I always throw a little cutie cutie cute moment if I'm not trying to literally come for you and drag you by your hair okay that's not the case in this comment but this person was not understanding and goes on to comment A, it's your brand slash project, and you can do as you like, but I don't understand why you would go to the trouble of making educational content if you're just going to tell people who don't consume all of it to go away. And this is where I was like, okay, so this person is not, like, getting the hint, is clearly not understanding what is happening here, so I need to fucking read you and your clot, because as, as of right now, you are showing me that you have never, ever, ever been told no 
or been told to sit down and listen or been told that this is actually not about you. So let me go ahead and do that for you now. And so I reply saying, because I put a lot of work into the content I make and my only request is to meaningfully engage with it. That could be paying me for my time. It could be resharing my posts. It could be commenting. It could be liking. There's a variety of ways to engage meaningfully. If that can't be done, I encourage people to leave. The simplest answer is I'm not for everyone. And then I then I put another thing because I was really feeling heated by this. And I go, law, I go through because he goes, why do you go? Th- oh, that really grinded me. He goes, why do you go through this trouble, right, of making educational content if you're only going to tell people to leave? And I'm like, law, bitch, I go through. I didn't say bitch. I say, law, I go through this trouble. I put in quotations, because there is a huge lack of queer, black, Latinx, non-binary, pansexual representation in science, generally, let alone specifically here in Vancouver. So this work is for me and my community first and foremost. Others that get something from it, hey, great, but that's not why I do this. I do this so other little mixed queer kids can see that we can find success and take up space. The fact that you didn't even consider any of this before commenting is highly alarming to me, right? So that that was my reply. This wayward individual goes, okay, that's fair. However, you added me. I appreciate you what you do, but I didn't sign up for the Jalen f- fan club. And I'm like, what in the actual uh, – this is where I actually start to lose it because I'm like, how, in the, how, could, how could you ever possibly ever assume, right – that we were friends, and then you could speak to me like this. I didn't sign up for the Jalen fan club. First and fucking foremost, you just acknowledge that this is educational content. Where in the goddamn hell do you think that this is a fan club, that I'm here to just get people to talk about me and promote me? Girl, what? Is this a post about me, or is this a post about about wildlife ecology, wildlife education? I was so incredibly vexed by that. And so my next comment goes... I added you, question mark. Whatever does that mean? I never asked you to follow me. And then at that point, I was like, okay, this person clearly is not getting it. And he's being more and more discrediting and invalidating and ultimately violent. And I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. Just removed you as a follower. There. It's not a problem for you anymore. And then he goes, he replies, didn't see your comment about representation. I just meant you followed me in undergrad and I followed you back. Maybe you should have kept this stuff on Patreon if you were going to take this all or none approach to support an engagement or to support an engagement. Sorry about not listening to your podcasts. I was like, oh, okay. So this is where I really had to come for him. I was like, I think you just want to say you're sorry because you don't actually want to change your behavior which was around content consumption. And then I go, I say, which I would just advise, don't apologize if you don't actually feel sorry or plan on changing any of your actions or behavior moving forward. But you would know that if you'd actually listen to my podcast and the episode about apologizing, lol. And then he goes, this is starting to sound sticky and I would need a lot of your terms explained. So let's just say... We use Instagram differently and leave it at that. No hard feelings, Jalen. Best of luck in your career. And I was like, okay, mm-mm, no, you accountability is going to be had here. So I'm like, reply. Starting to sound sicky is code for starting to require critical thinking, first and foremost. Two, needing terms explained instead of doing that work to educate yourself and find those definitions for yourself. 
is violent. You're putting that work on other people. Violent. And then I was like, three, I can agree that there aren't any hard feelings because this wasn't a conversation around, or sorry, this was a conversation around facts and not feelings. Four, best of luck in your learning and unlearning. Heart emoji. Again, throwing it back to, look, let's keep it light, let's keep it cute. Then this motherfucker goes, I guess reading it back, it looks like I'm asking to consume you your the products of your labor but not pay you or share your content and i have shared it with friends he put in brackets but i assumed we were following each other because we were acquainted at school when i realized you actually got offended the other day because i said i hadn't listened to your podcast i felt pretty crummy and this is where i literally am like wow the the way in which white men fucking gaslight you actually knows no bounds because now you're going to have to try make me feel bad because you felt crummy about not engaging with my content. I was like, no, 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 ma'am. We're going to have to read. We're going to have to continue this. And so I was like, the thing is, actually, and this is what I'm trying to do more often now is I'm trying to give people the space to actually speak to to define things for themselves, to actually defend themselves. So I'm just like, the thing is, what did you do after you felt crummy, right? Because that's what I was curious about. I was like, okay, you felt bad after hearing that. What did you do after that? And he comments, I got back to work and went went on with my day, question mark. And I'm like, oh, law, the question mark is so violent. It's the, is I, like, as if there's anything wrong with me just completely ignoring this crummy feeling that I felt because I... Didn't didn't consume your content or didn't acknowledge the work that you were doing, but decided to jump into your DMs and take up your time, take up your space. And I just went on with my day and I thought it'd be fine. And I was like, okay, cute. Exactly what I thought. So making me feel bad made you feel bad. But instead of doing anything about that, you got to go about your business as usual. Whereas I was just left with the knowledge that this that an acquaintance of mine hadn't been meaningfully engaging with my content but felt entitled to my time and my invi- and my advice right and i also can't help but notice how my first comment my very first comment in this thread addresses that this post is not about you but you've somehow managed to make it all about you tbh wishing you all the best because i know you have a lot of work ahead of you but i won't be spending any more of my time because you have made it clear that you are only willing to engage with my content on your terms and not mine. Heart emoji again. And then motherfucker goes, okay, sorry, I just don't have any other friends or acquaintances that offer a pay-for-play model. I message and ask questions to lots of friends and didn't really think of talking to Jalen as if he was a brand or company needed uh, or a company who needed a transaction. Sorry to take your time. Now, again, the violence perpetuated by white men is unmatched both in history and in present day. And here is a beautiful example because as soon as this waste ute done felt the first little inkling of accountability and being asked to to speak for what he is saying online publicly, right? He goes, oh, I didn't know his pay-for-play model. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't have any other friends like this. He, right, misgendering me so casually in the comments, right? And for me, the gag, the, what the real gag is the, his use of the term friend here. Because I'm like, what 
what colors do I like? What is the name of my cat? Where did I grow up? Can you tell me anything about me? Bitch, why, how are you this delusional? You think that we are friends because, I'm like, I'm, what? Because we did our undergrad in the same building. What? Again, what? You weaponize this relationship, this friendship, and then you attach all of these expectations that I never agreed to. And I never even said, but wh I'm, what? Genuinely, oh, confused. And then I just simply reply, I'm like, okay, that's just simply because you don't, you don't value my time. Another heart emoji. And I left it at that. Other people went and started to defend um, in the comments and started to like, you know, be like, hey, um, the caption is not about you. The caption is actually just saying that, you know, we need required meaningful engagement. This is the context that you are maybe missing out. Maybe you're not understanding. Right. And his responses were just also so problematic. Like, well, I know Jalen from school. This isn't about Black Lives Matter. And I'm, well, I didn't follow him to diversify my feed. I just, I'm, uh, and I was just like, whoa, uh, oh, really? People literally just be giving you the tools to improve. And you said, no, thank you. People are giving you the comments that you need to reflect. And you said, I can't do no wrong. And that is just, ooh, it just gags me. Then this person go, goes, right, waits like 24 hours and then sends me an email, okay? I, when I say this email was a, a, a novel, it was a goddamn novel, and sends me this email at, 11.45 at night, okay? And I, I'm like, maybe doesn't know my sleep schedule. Maybe doesn't know that I'm up till like three in the morning every day because of all the work that I'm literally doing. But gag, I got this. And I was, I was like, wow, white men just think that they can move incredibly violently and there will be no repercussions. Because he goes, in the subject line of this email, he goes, this is for your eyes only. Winky face. Then he goes, Hi, the email starts, I'll just read the email to y'all. It goes, and I'm going to read, as I'm reading it, I'm going to be unpacking it because I'm like, this shit was so fucking violent that I'm going to take this time in this episode now, unpack all of the ways in which this person moved incredibly violent towards me. Y'all will understand my position on these matters, and then you will be able to plan our interactions and your behavior accordingly, and just be able to also hold other people account online when you see them doing this shit with other queer, black, and mixed Latinx content creators out here. Because this shit is unacceptable. So the email reads, hi, Jalen, this is not going to be an email full of things you want to hear. But this was on my mind for over 24 hours, and I decided it was worth some of my free time this evening to write this out. We're going to pause right there. You notice how he says, this was full of things that were on my mind for 24 hours, and I decided that it was worth some of my free time to write this out and send it to you. Note, no, no, at no point was he considering of my time. No point was he considering of what was on my mind over the past 24 hours. At no point did he make an attempt to reach out after that comment to be like, hey, can we have a conversation about this? Hey, can we do this? No, you just decided to sit with your emotions, fester, rage, and then write this rant, this emotionally packed rant that you then just dumped onto me, expecting me to 
to do all of this emotional labor and come through and therapize you and make you feel better about your own ineptitude, about your own ignorance, about your own queerphobia, your homophobia, your general lack of freaking clues when it comes to the identity that you occupy and the violence that, that you perpetuate as a result as the cis, white, hetero man coming from an incredibly religious background. And so I was even more religious than me. And y'all know from earlier, I was, I'm, I was raised religiously, religiously, religiously boots. We're talking church on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, okay? So we're talking veggie tales every day. Like I was religiously, religiously, and this person was more. Anyway, let's continue. He goes, I really hope you read all of it. If this is... If this is all irrelevant to you or I out myself here as a total piece of shit, then you will obviously not have to reflect on anything I'm saying. And you can go back to whatever you were doing before you read this. And I'm like, even that, even that you acknowledge, right, that you're essentially you're essentially being a piece of shit in this email and you know that but you expect me to still take time to read through all of this. I Ooh, oof, it was wild. Um, granted, though, you know, glutton for punishment, I did read through all of this because I was just shocked that someone who was in a relatively close uh, proximity to me had relatively, you know, access to me, right? I wouldn't say a friend, but an acquaintance, right? I was, I was genuinely shocked that this person was that had that that level of access to me. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to reflect on this. I need to really, like, read this and see what's happening here because, you know, to be fair, right, we are all dickheads. As Kalechi Okafor says on her podcast, Say Your Mind, we are all dickheads in recovery, right? And it's just whether or not you are willing to step into and acknowledge, right, that you are a dickhead and that you have things to learn. But that doesn't, yeah, it just, it's wild that people can think that they can do no wrong or that they have done no wrong, right? And therefore are entitled, right, to your time, to your space, because they are in this position where they know better than you, right? Because they can do no wrong. I'm, oof, oof. No, no. We're all pretending, we're all figuring this shit out, and I just, it really, it, this really grant, this really got to me. Anyway, so let's move on. So he goes, "You have my word that I'm not sharing this message with anyone, and I please ask that you keep this to yourself as well, bitch. No, incredibly violent messages deserve to be aired. What you do in the dark will find its way to the light. Okay, let me hit you with some scripture with your religious ass because you want to send me this goddamn." Bible of an email, okay? So he goes, most of what I want to say here falls into two categories. One, how you treated me in our exchanges the last two days. And two, the way you have related to me the entire time you knew of my existence and how that informed you turning me into a straw man to tear apart in front of your followers. Okay, so one, how you treated me in our exchanges over the last two days. Okay, sure. Let's talk about that. But two, two, a straw man, how I went to tear you down as a straw Sis, you went out of your way to comment on my post publicly. 
You put that out there into the internet world publicly. I came with my public responses to your public comments on my post, on my page, and then you have the audacity to say that I put you out as this straw man to tear you apart in front of your followers. Bitch, what were you doing on my page commenting such nonsense if you didn't want to engage publicly with other people on my page? Do you think that you just exist within a vacuum? I'm sorry, what? Again, oof, the delusional nature that is white cis men. I can't, but let's move forward. So the letter continues. I'm out here trying my best. I try to learn from my friends and listen to them when they speak. When I told you I was listening to a podcast about black veganism instead of saying, oh, that's cool, Luke. Let me recommend you this episode of my podcast. You put me down and you told me I owe you my time. Woo, child. Okay, before we go on, sis, I never once said that you owe me your time. I just found it incredibly confusing that you found time to consume content so similar to the one that I'm producing. You are out here claiming the terminology of friend and friendship, yet not capable of ever once showing me that same energy or same support. Wild. Wild. And all I did was literally highlight that to you. I didn't feel which ways. I didn't feel negative about it. I didn't feel bad. I wasn't like, Luke, you're a horrible person for doing this. Wow, you're you're just absolutely trapped. Oh, I just, I said the name. Okay, maybe I'll have to bleep that out. But I never said any of that, right? You came through into my messages with this. I told you, hey, this is something I do. I think it's a little weird that you didn't know that. But you want to come up into my space, take up my time, claim that we're friends. Weird. Then it goes on to say, then the next day you posted on how people that don't have time to look at your content should just leave. Forgive me for feeling spoken to, question mark, question mark. Again, the delusion of white men thinking everything is about them. You know what? If you did think this was about you, the appropriate response would have been to, guess what? Message the individual and say, hi, and clarify, hi, I think this is about me. Is it? Like, it's that simple. If you think that someone is addressing you, if you think that someone is being shady, if you think that, which, there's a way of going about that. You literally can just be like, hi, this is about me. Because nine times out of 10, guess what? It is not about you, white man. It literally, uh, it's not. It's not. Stop centering yourself in every conversation. As if I don't have an incredibly busy schedule, if I'm not managing, uh, thousand different things from my podcast this one to my other podcast to my socials to the other clients that i manage socials for to my master's project to you know what i'm saying i don't know i'm not out here trying to list on my resume but the fact that you are out here assuming that i have nothing better to do with my time than to create content directed at you absolutely delusional absolutely delusional and then he goes on to continue and then comes the stuff you projected onto me in front of all your followers when I ask honestly what's going on and why you would behave like that. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I read that and I was confused. I'm like, what did I project onto you? Like I literally, y'all read, and if you're a patron, I'm going to go ahead and post the screenshots of the comments so you can see it for yourself. What are you talking about by I projected things onto you? 
all of my comments were either in direct responses to what you had just said, or it was a question so that I could clarify what you were saying. In no way did I ever be like, oh, and you're trash. I was just like, mm, okay, well, you not finding value in my time means you don't value my time. Like I literally just took you to water. Lead the horse to water, sis. Sorry you didn't drink. Like what? I just, I'm gagged. Project it onto you? Mm, weird. And then he goes, then this is where the letter gets, this is where it gets really violent. Because then he tries to weaponize shit that's going on in his own life to try and make me, right, to try and destabilize my emotional well-being and my mental state of mind by going, I have someone in my family who is dying right now and depends on me for help and comfort. I might not have all that free time. I want to finish the library of books on my shelf, do the, do the back um, on the shelf, do back in 10 days, let alone your two podcasts and your daily posts. If you read the caption, if you engage with my content meaningfully, if you even know who I was on existed online, you would know I was never asking you to consume every minute, every second, every ounce, every drop of my content. That was not the ask. Sis, again, I will repeat if you could not doing you could not do so meaningfully if you could not engage meaningfully then maybe don't take this on maybe you should reduce the amount of work you're putting on for yourself maybe you should take a step back reassess close that circle until you can spread yourself out and then start to engage more meaningfully with other people's content because as of right now some of y'all just be following every which person and y'all don't understand that it's actually not helpful when you follow someone and you don't engage meaningfully with their stuff it actually fucks up the algorithm it it hurts what is able to get out to a wider audience it limits the reach the potential reach that they have it y'all literally aren't doing any favors when you follow people and forget about them and so don't just be coming online into on these spaces and being like follow 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 if you have no intention or the time or capacity to engage with people and that is all that was being said to the general public not even you but Again, I said casually with a little flirty little, not a flirty, with a little hearty little boop boop, right? Being like, if the shoe fits, then maybe consider it. Again, it's not a bad thing to reduce the amount of content you're consuming. We are so bombarded day to day with such um, intense amounts of information that if I'm telling you that, hey, you're actually, you're actually allowed to maybe not, you're not, you don't have to engage with everything. Right, if you can't do so meaningfully, take that. Just take it. Take it and run with it. Oh, whew. yeah, that wild. But for you to then try and 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 throw your family situation, to try and throw death at me, to try and trigger me emotionally, to try and feel guilt or remorse or something for you. That, how incredibly manipulative. And that's the thing. Um, white men, y'all don't have much going for y'all, but y'all are excellent at emotionally manipulating people because the world has trained you to always feel as though you should get what you want and so when that doesn't happen you go all you do all of the higgy haga you do all of this backwards up and down messaging about your dying family members to try and elicit concern and emotion and i guess 
I don't know, some some semblance, right, of forgiveness in this space. And I'm like, nah, you ain't going to try and guilt trip me. That's your own biz. And the fact that you could, you have felt confident enough to message me that having no idea the medical situation shift that's going on with my family, having no idea what is going on, period, with me and my health, right? How this may be triggering to me or the loved ones in my life. No, you ain't ha- you don't en- you don't know me. You don't engage with me meaningfully, yet you have all the vim, all the fire, the long, long throat to say all of this nonsense to me in this email. Mm, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let me, let me clear that up for you right now, right now. Right now, right now. And then the email continues. Yeah, it continues, y'all. He goes, making an example out of me for all of your followers without even engaging meaningfully with me was really terrible. I'm like, that is funny that you, you think that my 14 comment conversation with you on my post that wasn't about you wasn't a form of meaningful engagement. I That just shows to me that you actually don't understand. You don't know what the term means. You actually don't understand what meaningful engagement means. If you can go through an entire conversation centered around you and your lack of understanding about my post, spending my time clarifying things for you in conversation, in public conversation, right? You don't... Uh, for you to not even clock that as engagement, I'm like, you are you are lost. You are lost. You are lost, and you can, maybe you just cannot be found on this occasion. And then it goes with me, and it was really terrible. And three women I know that follow you message me to say that they were unimpressed with how you spoke to me. Okay, PSA: if you are if you are any of the three women who messaged this person, unfollow me now. Unfollow me right the fuck now. Go ahead and do it. I do not want you in my space. I don't want you in my life. If you at all, at all, for a second, could ever come to the conclusion that me defending and holding space for myself publicly on my feed about a delusional white man who is centering my content about himself and his own higgy haga nonsense that he has to sort through, and you came to the conclusion that I didn't handle that the way you wanted to. You, d- I didn't impress you enough. That's rooted in anti-blackness, okay? That's rooted in racism, right? This idea that I am somehow for you, that I am somehow, to, I have to impress you, that I somehow have to perform right? This sort of affability and professionalism for you. Go the fuck away right now. I do not, I do not claim that fucking energy, okay? If you are one of these three people, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Go away. Go and support this little man and y'all can go and create your little columbine up in the woods and have your little higgy haga situationship there because I am not, I'm not here for it. And I am not for you. <sighs> Moving forward, the letter continues on and says, One of them forwarded me the story you posted about uh, how I casually misgendered you and dehumanized you by speaking of you in the third person. I'm sorry for misgendering you in that comment, but that, but 
And it's the but that really fucking gets me here because what fucking type of apology has a but in it? You aren't fucking sorry, bitch, if you are adding a but to the, the, the end of your sorry. I'm sorry, but, okay, just uh, exclude the sorry part and say what you're really feeling, right? Which he does. He goes, um, but that was really mean to go post that up in front of your 5,000 followers and flog me for it. Okay, again, you commented that publicly with your account, publicly on my post, on my feed. I can do whatever the fuck I want on my feed with my post, first and foremost. And also, y'all, the story I posted, I blocked this motherfucker's handle. You can't even see his DP picture. It was just the comment because I was using it for educational purposes to be like, do not casually misgender people or disassociate with their identity to the point where you start to speak to them in the third person. What? And the fact that you could interpret this anonymous situation of public accountability as flogging goes to show me just how privileged, how coddled, how very babied you sir have been your entire life oh that is why that that part really that that stood out to me and then it can and then and then and then right the apology ends with this didn't you just remove the he him from your bio like somewhat recently give me some grace here so not only are you gonna sit confidently in your misgendering of me but then you're going to gaslight me and make me feel as though i should somehow give you some fucking grace for being constantly confused with the differences between gender identity and gender expression and how my fluidity within those terms is somehow then an affront to you and your ability to just adapt language to identify and converse with me in a way that isn't harmful what in the actual fu- how do you move through the- how do white men move through this planet being expecting everyone to just educate them give me some grace here what are you talking about I am giving you grace by literally publicly being hyper visibly queer telling you what my pronouns are you did you actively misgendered me instead of just saying you know what i'm sorry for misgendering you i will work to not misgender you in the future it is harmful when people get misgendered and i recognize that harm and will work to not do it again period that's it that's all you had to say instead you then centered yourself again in this apology being like oh no you're vlogging me and also give me some grace like what Oh, delusion, delusion. Okay, y'all, I know, I know, I know, but we are almost there. We're almost there. We're getting through. The The letter continues, and it goes, and I also, um, why not keep a personal profile that you add people you know personally instead of using a few hundred IRL followers from school or wherever to jumpstart some monetized online brand? Bitch, this just goes to show me again that you do... And I, whenever I say bitch, y'all, like, no, it's in the way that you call your grandma a bitch. Like, it's very much playful, very much like, ha-ha, hee-hee, cutie, ka ka I'm like... This just goes to show me you actually have no clue who I am, no clue about the work I do, and you have never, ever, ever once meaningfully engaged with this thing that I do. Because if you did, you would know that I do actually have a personal account, that I do have people personally 
in my life that I have on that account or people who pay me a ridiculous amount of money to access that account. Okay, so yeah, I do have a personal account. You telling me to go and to, to create other spaces for myself online? Guess what? That's another form of white supremacist violence, okay? You and your delusional self do not get to dictate how black and especially queer black and Latinx people get to take up space online. You don't get to dictate that, ever. It is never in your position to tell anyone how they should be taking up their space. Especially as a cishet white man coming from the group of individuals who still to this day perpetuate the most violence globally. Like, yeah, mm, mm, the, the confidence and delusion is just incredibly scary to me. It's incredibly scary to me. And the fact that you also then go and try to assume, right, that I jump-started this with some, some school friends and followers. Sis? No. My Instagram account, first and foremost, how it started was a travel account, was a, was a place. So black travelers, people who look like me, people who, who were racialized as black, and my next for that matter, could have space to discuss the nuances of traveling in this skin, in this body, and experiencing and enduring global anti-blackness and how that manifests in different countries, right? I was taking up space on the internet as a traveling black person, being like, this is success, you can do this too. That migrated and shifted as I evolved and changed and learned and progressed and developed and and specified in my research and in my learning. So for you to then come up and be like, ah, oh, you jumpstart some monetized online brand. No, I'm actually still existing as this account, as the very full-fletched jaunting J out here taking up space through my existence and creating visual displays of that existence so that other people can feel community, can feel safe, can feel seen can feel like they are not the only one. But you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know about that because you as a white man, you are you constantly feel in community. Everywhere you go, everyone is trying to to coddle you, to uplift you, to sleep with you, to find you attractive, to pay you. Ooh. Anyway, so it continues. If it's about hitting those perfect engagement stats more than it is about actually being an educator, then just say so. Oh, the way that I this man tries to gaslight me in this fucking email is wild. Veganism, and then he goes, the complete tangent. Veganism is one of the highest ethical goals we could reach as a society, and you're encouraging people to not listen to you at all if they're not going to go all in to support you and your personal vanity brand. Okay, see, and this is where you can tell that this motherfucker was just butthurt, like was just sitting in his feelings when he was writing this because now you're you're clearly just contradicting yourself. How can you both acknowledge my content as educational, all of the different things that I'm producing for people, and then conclude that it is a personal vanity brand? Like the delusion, the lack of critical thinking, it's just, it's just, I would laugh if it wasn't so scary. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, it continues on. Capitalist social media and its economic incentives are so fucked up, it's unbelievable. Breeds the most toxic outcomes. I don't know what your economic politics are, but you seem very trans 
transactional in how you relate to other humans. You insulted me by reducing my being to a white content consumer. I'm a working scientist interested in having discussions with my peers about how the fuck we're going to move ahead with our movements and do whatever we can to avoid near total ecological breakdown. We are running out of time and society just keeps wasting it. The way white men will gaslight you. They will just, they will just... They will just, and what do I mean by gaslight? What do I what do I mean specifically here by gaslight? I mean that they will make you think, right, that they are speaking sense, that they are speaking facts, when in actuality, what they're what they're saying is rooted in their own emotions and in their own lack of understanding about the historical and greater context that informs all right, our collective interactions and our specific interactions between us as individuals. So you going to be out here not understanding something and you are then going to go out of your way to do all of the mental gymnastics to try and make me feel as though that I am the one with the lack of understanding, with the lack of clarity. And that's what I mean by gaslighting here. How is that done here? Well, this person tries to say that my veganism, right, is somehow trying to equate it by saying, oh, I'm taking up space, but it's somehow then not not valid, not effective, because when I ask people to engage with my content meaningfully, I'm actually telling them to not support me. Like, it's just the, the lack of critical thinking here is wild. Then it goes on to say, and I'm sorry. Oh, oh no. I've, uh, no, that's it, that's it. Okay, and then it goes on to say, and I'm sorry, I don't have my sexual third eye open. This is where I'm like, I'm truly like, you're projecting now. You are entirely projecting now because nowhere in the comments, we're, what, nowhere about the posts were we talking about sex um, and sexual preferences. Nowhere, nowhere, right? That wasn't being discussed. Um, so this is where I know you really went off. And so he goes, I'm sorry, I don't have my sexual third eye open. My sexuality is evolving. And mine. You were never even interested in asking me what that was before you started sliding into my DMs in the past three years with creepy comments about my body. Oh, my God. And I love that the way that white men will victimize themselves. The moment. The moment. Right? They are asked to be accountable for their actions. I love it how this motherfucker had no problem casually and oof I mean this is you know what to be fair on the, in the spirit of accountability this is my own fault for flirting with and even holding space for white men <laughs> um romantically uh, relationshiply wise in any sense in any sense it's a little bit um i am i am you know a little bit to blame here a little dickhead in recovery for that sense because i was the one that was engaging in these kind of flirtatious um conversations you could say but the gag is this little minx okay was so so, so, so into it. And if you aren't, um, like, a queer individual, you won't know. You might not be know about this. But the, like, closeted straights, specifically the closeted straight men and, like, mask-identifying folks, they love it, okay, to feel as though they have space to explore their sexuality with very, to li- with few consequences, right? 
And I know this personally from personal experience just because of my history with being not only sex sexually abused but also victimized by white men and fetishized by white men in the past. So I know right how they operate behind closed doors. I know how these things function and how these things work out. And I just find it so funny that the second, right, the second you hold them accountable, the second you actually don't spend all of your moments appeasing them, they want to go ahead and flip the script. They want to go ahead and be like, oh, actually, all of those flirtatious messages that I was engaging in with you with, I take it back. Actually, ignore all of the things that I also sent you. I'm only listening to the things you sent me, and I am actually straight now. I'm remembering I'm straight now, so um, I no. And you know what? And again, to be fair and in the spirit of accountability, that's allowed. Like, you're allowed to change your mind about experiences that you have and about interactions that you have. And so my only response to this individual, like, not my only, I did two responses. I was like, one, because he signs this letter being like, I will not ever reply to you again. You just lost a, a friend for good. And I was like, okay, I respect that this decision is one-sided and that you are not interested in engaging in conversation, period, bye. And then I sent a follow-up email being like, also, this was incredibly violent, so I will be sharing this publicly as an educational tool just so you have that heads up. And lastly, okay, we I addressed this sort of point around um, this his sexual discomfort, which is I'm like, you personally have a widely understood reputation, rep cannot speak, you have a widely held reputation for objectifying, for sexualizing, and for engaging in questionable conversations with people you are attracted to. So that would be typically cis women in your case, okay? You, that is what your reputation is. That was your reputation throughout undergrad, okay? So for me to adopt the language and the tactics you use with other people, and then for you to then jump out the woodwork and be like, ah, oh, this isn't okay. I'm like, oh, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't actually feel good to be sexualized in the way that you sexualize people. And this is the thing with white men too, is that they think that they hold all of the power until until they are sexualized in a way that they don't want to be. And then, and then all of a sudden they understand consent. And then all of a sudden they understand their actions and then the consequences of their actions and the impacts of their actions. No, I, I'm not gonna sit here, I'm not gonna sit here and be feeling any which ways about our interactions because I know fully i can sit confidently in our conversations in that in our dm history knowing that i have done nothing wrong and that the only reason that you are bringing this up now is because you are in your emotions and you are trying to somehow make me feel some type of way. You are trying to project those emotions onto me. You are trying to make me feel angry. You are trying to make me feel sad. You are trying to make me feel confused in this message. But sis, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. We have mental barriers. We have fortitude. We have ancestors who are out here protecting me, okay? So I will not be had by these little messages to derail. But again, in the spirit of accountability and the spirit of openness and recognizing you know your actions like there is an element here that i need to adjust my behavior especially when it comes to these 
sexually fluid in the closet, but publicly straight men that I'd be flirting with. And that, again, is also rooted in my own internalized patriarchy and, I guess, also on the flip side of that internalized misogyny. It's also rooted in my sexual experiences. It's rooted in the sexual abuse I face um, from a very young age, also informed by the identity of the individuals who have raped me. Um, the eight times that that has happened, they've literally all been white men. And so, again, not excuses, but I do have work to do when it comes to how I'm engaging with these, with these people, um, both flirtatiously, sexually, and just generally, right? How I'm even creating space in my life for them. I need to do some work around that and reassess. Um, so, you know what, if anything, thank you for this email for that reason alone, for that little push there to start doing that work more intensely. Now, he goes on by saying, if a cis guy treated a girl like that, how do you think it would go down? And I'm like, funny, you do treat women like this and you see no problem with it until it's done to you. It's just so funny to me. It's so funny to me. I'm like, so the piss that you're serving other people, you don't want to drink. Okay, what? Lol. And he continues, he goes, I tolerated that shit because I thought you were just a naturally flirty type. And I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt. What does that even mean? The way, see, and this is, that's gaslighting language right there. I, what he's actually, let me correct that for you was, I flirted with you too, and now that I'm in my feelings about this type of flirtatious interaction, I am actually going to tell you that you flirted with me and I didn't want to flirt with you. Like, what? What? Okay. Okay, sure. Okay, you can claim that. No problem. Um, and then he goes, there are aspects of my sexuality that are extremely closeted and that I cannot share with anyone right now. And I'm sorry, I don't have my sexual third eye opened. Oh, where does it go? And it continues. I'm sorry, y'all. This letter is so long. I like my eyes when I'm like reading things, especially on screen. It's like it's they jump down lines and I like have to find myself. Um, I don't know if that happens to you, but we're almost done. We're almost done. Anyway, so it goes on to say, um, maybe when I'm older, I'll want to explore my sexuality further. But right now, it's not the time. I cannot share with anyone right now because my safety within my family is at stake. Again, this just goes to show me that you have never engaged meaningfully with my content, ever. Because even when I knew you in undergrad, I had made a post about how I also came from an incredibly abusive, very religious family that was unsafe. How I, at 16, had to run away because my sexual identity, my sexual orientation, my gender expression was all at odds with the lessons and the energy, right, that was my family and, the, and that was my family that was trying to put onto me and mold me and make me the thing that I wasn't, right? Got to the point where it was literally my life at risk or I leave. And so at 16, I left and ran away and have been living on my own ever since. And so I'm, this, we're not going to go into that story right now. But again, the fact that you can go out of your way to be like, oh, it's not. Like, you are telling me this to go to, go to show that you, do, you, you don't have, you have no idea that I have actually done through something very similar. Actually, just 10 years before with far fewer resources and far fewer access 
to support. And so I, it, it just, I'm sorry, but it's hard for me to read this and then hold space as if this is something that you cannot do as a 27-year-old, fully funded, fully supported, cishet white man who has access to so much. You know what I'm saying? If you did want to leave, if you did want to create space, if you did want to hold conversation with your family, I am sure that you could actually do that. I'm actually sure of it. But you want to know why I know that you feel as though you couldn't? Because you've never tried. Because you've never been pushed to try things. Because the world just tells you that everything that you do naturally is perfect and beautiful and that what you just, you shit bricks and gold and I, we, everyone loves that and we'll eat it up. You don't actually have to work to improve or to fight for things or to learn about yourself, right? Like the rest of us. No, you just get to exist. Woo! Okay, la last couple, last couple parts here. He goes. Uh, to clarify, I will never ever criticize someone or look down on them for who they love or what kind of relationship fulfills them. No, but you will just happily share space with a full family of people that would happily demonize those folks that would happily see those folks imprisoned or punished for the just the way that they're born you're telling me that you share space with these people and are unimpacted by that you're telling me that you share space to the point where your safety your very safety is at risk if you were to ever even question your sexuality around them and you're trying to tell me that you are unimpacted by that? That you somehow would never criticize someone or look down on them? Yeah, right. Yeah, freaking right. It's not possible. It's not possible. Okay? And he goes on to continue. Um, I would never blah, 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 blah for who they love or what kind of relationship fulfills them. And for you to basically call me oppressive cis het scum in front of everyone you know really hurts. I'm sorry that you have never, ever been told about what you need to do in order to improve and in order to grow. But sorry, this is the case. I, sorry, I got a little um, sidetracked because Anchor just gave me like a notification that I was um, recording too long. So I'm gonna go really like, ahead and try and wrap this up because I know I'm, I'm just now talking in your ear. But y'all need to listen to this because this type of violence cannot happen again, not in my space. No, 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 no. So he ends this long ass freaking message being like, you can deflect and hide behind your identity pollocks to say that I'm projecting or gaslighting or whatever, but these are my real feelings, and this is how you made me feel. And I'm like, okay, I love that you can hold space and demand that I hold space for you and your feelings without ever, 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 ever being willing to do the same for me. Like, it's just so funny what you expect without ever treating people that same way. It's just wild, y'all. It's wild. And it goes on to say, in those comments, you weaponize your identity. I weaponize... Y'all, the way white people will... White cis men especially will victimize themselves. Me telling you that you misgendered me was me weaponizing my identity against someone born into a white body who was just trying his best. I cannot believe how poetic y'all are when it comes to your own victimization. And it just is not there. You are not a victim here. What? 
Anyway, it continues to be like, you're black and ultra queer, and people slash structures have obviously fucked you over more than me. But, again with the but, whenever you add a but to something, it completely negates everything that you just said before that. Like, clearly you do not understand the nuance or the complexities of the ways in which this anti-black, incredibly destructive world has impacted me more than you, you cis, white, het, incredibly privileged, religious motherfucker. I cannot. I cannot. And then you go, but you can't just use that as an excuse to treat people you never even bother to get to know like garbage. Bitch, I know you more than you know me. I know who you're in relationship with. I know what you studied in school. I know all these different facts. Why, again, leaning it back and drawing it back to that very problematic nature I have with seeing and valuing cis white men and their beauty standards and being a victim of that sort of indoctrination and social conditioning. And I'm sorry, yeah, I'm I'm working on this. And I'm, again, again, if anything, for this letter, it's a good prompt for me to like take this on as a more targeted phase in my life right now. But for you to be like, you're ultra queer and I know the world has fucked you up, but like... <laughs> You still don't let you still don't get to fuck me. I'm like you are just so incredibly lost, boo boo, and I am not going to be the lighthouse that you find your way home to because mm-mm, you are not going to be docking on these shores. No, 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 no. And he goes, I was peeved about this, but feel better after getting this out. Like lol, you could have just wrote this letter to your goddamn self then without sending me such violence. But you know what? I appreciate it because it's going to help other people improve their actions online. And he finally finishes by saying, I hope you can take this and learn how to better connect with people. Nope, I'm going to take this and just showcase how we should all be moving more with, with more accountability and with more, I want to say critical thinking online and how we take up space and he goes i feel you never really cared but you lost a potential friend for good i'm not writing to you again signed his name like it's just that's so funny to me that is so funny to me and he goes p.s i saw that you appeared on cbc and i believe that one day soon you're going to become truly a public figure advocating for conservation marginalized communities and veganism you obviously have ambitions i shouldn't have to tell you this but i hope you know that people in your roles have obligations and you can't and i'm just like again with the weaponization of your expectations of your disappointment, of your emotional baggage onto me as if I am somehow responsible for dealing with you. No. No, go off and take this. I don't need this pseudo support. Oh, you're going to be you're going to be you're doing great things. You're finding success just to let you know. Be nice still. If you knew me, if you knew how I interact with literally everyone else online, you would never have ever had said such a thing. But here you are, wayward self. That being said, this was What's the Sitch for this week. Extremely conflicting (laughs) and inflammatory email received by one of these wayward followers who has since been blocked. Um, All of this content, uh, when I mean content, I mean like the screenshots for the comments, all of that stuff. 
I'm going to go ahead and share with the show notes for the extra content for this week's episode so that y'all can form your own opinions too. We can have that. We can continue this conversation over on the Patreon because, yeah, I know I'm, uh, again, just another dickhead like y'all, like you. <laughs> We're all learning. And so I may not have, you know, the completely 100% good to go perspective on every aspect of this, but I just, I do know that I am sitting confidently in my response to this email here on this podcast and also how I responded online. Um, And I will not be gaslit or made to feel as though the space that I take up, how I use my online platform, how I create content, and how I ask for that content to be meaningfully engaged with, I will not have that made to feel as though that is something wrong or that is somehow um, a pay for play or trying to build clout or what I will not be gaslit into that I will not be gaslit into thinking that Um, so yeah if you want to go ahead and check out that extra content you can go and see that on patreon.com slash jaunting j otherwise you know just continue with that free content consumption over on ig that is jaunting.j over on ig and uh, yeah we'll see y'all next week for another episode where we get back to the more non-human side of things um on on this podcast on here zaboom foolish all right bye y'all <laughs> yeah.